His mop is just a prop, washing away the anxiety of a trip to the hospital. What do you get out of it? What I get out of it is what I give back. If I give happiness there, I get happiness back. My girl. Sharing his infectious personality to spread a little joy. Now that's good medicine. Show me some love. That's what I'm talking about. Kevin Tibbles, NBC News, Nashville. I love that story of Freddie Wiggins. I mean, he is a life changer and, you know, doing extraordinary things. And so often we assume we can't make a difference in the world, maybe because of who we are, the position we have, but the reality is this, every one of us has the ability and the opportunity to be difference makers, to change the world. And you know, there's two things watching that news story that I learned about Freddie Wiggins. The first is this, he was making a difference in people's lives, a significant difference in the lives of the people that he was coming in contact with all the time in that hospital. The second thing I learned about Freddie Wiggins is he was comfortable and he was confident in who he was. You know, he didn't let his position hold him back from making an opportunity to be a difference maker in other people's lives. And you have the opportunity as well. You know, in this series today, concluding this two-part series of Breaking Walls, talking about the overload of kindness, how kindness can be the game changer that this world needs. And in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 17, it's written, Those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. Did you ever know that? I mean, the Bible is true. When you are cruel to other people, you are ruining you. You're ruining you. And oftentimes you're making a fool of yourself. Many years ago, when my oldest son was still in the car seat, it was in wintertime and we were driving through Robinson and we were coming up this hill down the road from here. And at this time, this two-lane road going up the, the FedEx Hill, there was a rock slide that came down onto the road. And at that traffic light, left lane turns left and the right lane goes straight. And I'm in the right lane waiting to go straight and knowing that my lane ahead is blocked so I would have to go straight and go up and there's a car next to me with this young man driving and I remember the light turns green and we start to go forward and I instantly realize he's not turning he's going straight and he's cutting me off and kind of running me into the rock slide and I'll be honest I got a little ticked off and then as he went up the hill I gunned it I went behind him and I came up alongside him and I rolled down my window because I want to tell him what I thought about him at that moment. And as soon as I began to yell at him, he hits this pothole and this mouthful of slush comes flying in my face and my mouth. <laughs> Boy, I was an idiot that day. And I got exactly what I deserved. And my son made sure he knew I made a mistake. The Bible is true. Cruelty just makes you look like a fool. Being cruel to other people ruins you. And it ruins the people around you. But kindness has benefits. 
Kindness is a game changer. Did you know kindness has benefits? You probably have seen it. Like Freddie Wiggins, the joy that he was bringing into other people's lives. And because of that, the joy that he was experiencing himself. And maybe you've done that too. But did you also know that it has been scientifically proven and revealed that practicing kindness actually has a benefit to your health? Did you know that? When you practice kindness or when you witness an act of kindness, our bodies produce what's called oxytocin, which aids in lowering our blood pressure and it improves our overall health. You know, being kind and seeing kindness in action takes away anxiety. It's good for our heart health. It reduces stress and it has been said that actually helps you to live longer. Being kind adds years to your life. Is that awesome? It's contagious and it helps to gain energy and it just helps in the overall happiness of your life and your experiences. Living a lifestyle of kindness, it doesn't just happen overnight though. You're not going to just wake up tomorrow and all of a sudden be, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to start being kind to everybody. I'm going to change my attitudes. I'm going to change my behavior. It's not something you can just wish to happen. You know why? Because we all have what's known as bad habits in our behaviors. Every one of us has habits in our life, behavioral habits that are just infected us. And then studies have revealed that habits, to form a habit, it takes 30 days. So you're not just going to wake up tomorrow and all the bad behavioral habits that you have in your life, they're not just going to go away. You need to make some effort. You need to put some effort into changing your habits, your behavior habits, if you really want to make a lifestyle change. You do. And ultimately, know this. Kindness starts with how you view yourself. Kindness starts with how you view you. How do you view yourself? You know, so often we struggle with being kind to others because we can't be kind to us. You struggle with being kind to other people because you don't like you. I mean, when you look in the mirror each day, what do you see? What do you see when you look in the mirror? And even more importantly than that, do you like what you see? Do you like the person that you see in the mirror every day of your life? You know, unfortunately, sadly, I think too many times each one of us has negative opinions of our own self. We view ourselves badly, we put ourselves down, and we knock ourselves down, and we have the, we have the inability to project kindness because we're not even being kind to me. And can I just tell you, that view of yourself is not reality. It's not reality. You know what Satan loves to do? He loves to twist your thinking into being down on yourself because he knows that if he can transform your thinking to be negative towards you, then what will then begin to happen is then your attitude will change and become negatively affected. Then when your attitude goes down the tubes, then your behavior soon to follow. And, be, and before you know it, rather than doing, being kind, you're being cruel and you're just bringing destruction upon yourself and everybody around you. That's how Satan works. He twists the innermost being of you to negative mindset to transform your behaviors, transform your attitudes, and just bring in destruction in your life. It all begins with how you view yourself. That's where it all begins. And we need to have a reality check. You're not as bad as you think you are. 
You're not. Quit being so hard on yourself. All this negative views do is wear you down emotionally and it wears you down spiritually. And before you know it, you can't do what God desires you to be, be and to do in your life. If that's you, if you are negative towards yourself on a regular basis, can I just tell you something? You're significant. You matter. You are valuable. Stop allowing Satan to win the battleground of your mind and know you for who you are. You know, back in the mid-90s, I used to really enjoy watching Saturday Night Live. And there was this um, one skit, Daily Affirmation, with this character named Stuart Smalley. You guys ever remember that show, back, that skit back in the mid-90s? You know, Stuart Smalley would sit in front of the mirror and he would say things like this. I'm going to help somebody today because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. You know, that was, I love that skit. I thought it was cheesy and funny, and it, but the reality is this. There was a truth there that we can't ignore. Stuart Smalley, as cheesy as he was, had a truth that many of us overlook. You matter. You're smart enough. You're good enough. And doggone it, people like you. So stop being so hard on yourself. Stop being so hard on yourself. You are significant. You are valued. Have you ever noticed how your general attitude, how it affects who you are and how you view yourself? Because this is the train ride that we all tend to go on. Our attitude begins to go down the tubes. Our attitude begins to stink. And before you know it, then our behaviors then really start to get bad and, and get affected. And it just messes everything up. I mean, just look at the difference between the Disney characters and Winnie the Pooh between Tigger and Eeyore. I mean, Tigger was this happy-go-lucky, bouncing on his tail. Everything was great. And then there was Eeyore. Good old Eeyore. Always down in the dumps. Always negative about himself. And Eeyore would say things like this. People come and people go in the forest. And then they say it's only Eeyore, so it doesn't really count. Do you ever feel like that to yourself? People just come and people just go, but it's just Bill. So it doesn't really count. Or put your name in there. I think we negatively view ourselves so often, but can you just stop? Because you matter. I think we all struggle with this. Let's be honest. Let, let's tear down those walls. Let's stop being fake. Let's st- put down the tough guy mentality. And let's just be real. Every one of us struggles with this at some level. Myself included. We all struggle with this. So can we just be real with it? Because if we can't be real with it, you can't overcome it. So let's be honest for a moment. We all struggle with the opinions of ourselves, at some level. At some point, you need to know you matter. You are valuable. You are significant. And let that transform your attitude and your behaviors. And watch what God begins to do because of that. And here's another reality. How you view God impacts your life too. 
It's all connected. Your relationship with Jesus is the cornerstone of who you are. Whether you have a real relationship with him or whether you've had a relationship with him and it's been kind of, he's there when I go to him whenever I'm having troubles or when life seems to be go, not going my way, but when life is good, then I kind of forget about him. Or maybe you've never had a relationship with him at all. But no matter where you are in that um, pendulum of life, your relationship with Jesus is the cornerstone of who you are. It is. Whether you have one or not, it's the cornerstone of who you are and it affects your attitude. It transforms your behaviors. It changes everything about who you are. And sometimes, some of you guys, let's be honest, you feel that God let you down. You feel he didn't answer the prayer that you wanted. And so because of that, we get mad at God and that changes our attitude and that changes our behavior towards him. And when that happens, then what else begins to happen? Then that begins to affect your relationship. You know why? Because God created us for relationships and our relationship with him intertwines with our relationships with everybody else. If you're mad at God, you're going to become mad at people too. But know this. God may not have answered the prayers in your life the exact way that you wanted him to, but he answered prayers. Because God is faithful. He never lets you down. He is always there. He may not provide everything that we exactly want in the time period that we always want it, but he is always there because he's going to do what's best for us. And our relationship with him matters. And ultimately, if you want to have a good view of yourself you need to understand how God views you. How does God view you? First of all, know this. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. The Bible says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. You know, there is something real and there is something intimate when you are a part of a family. You know, when I go home with my family, it is a place where I can relax. It is a place where I can unwind. It's a place where I can belong, a safe place where I can just be me. I can just put my feet up, let my hair down if I had hair, you know, and just be Bill for a moment. And the reality is, sometimes when we mess up, sometimes when we fall short, you know what's special about a family? They'll always love you. They may be ticked off with the choice you made, but they'll still be there. Now, I know that some of you are sitting there and you're saying, Bill, that's not my family. My family wasn't there. My family did not support me. My family turned their back on me. My family is no longer there for me. And if that's you, I'm sorry. I really am. Because I know sometimes people in your life, people who you should trust the most, let you down. And they can hurt really bad. But know this. God, who is the ultimate father, never fails you. He will never forsake you. He will never let you down. No matter what you do, he will always be there. And it's so easy to allow the shortcomings of the relationships we have in this world to pull us away from the God of all the universe, your heavenly Father. But don't allow that to happen. 
I know it's hard. It's easier said than done. But don't allow that to happen. Don't allow the mistakes of the people in this world to pull you from a God who never makes mistakes. Because he loves you. He will always be there for you. He will never fail you because you are his child. You're his child. And you matter to him significantly. And not only are you his child, but know this. You are uniquely designed by the master creator. You are uniquely designed by the master creator himself. The Bible says in Psalm 139 verses 13 and 14. For you created in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Before you ever took a breath of life, before your eyes ever opened in this world, God knew you. And he knew every detail about you. He knew every moment that was going to happen in your life, every experience that you would have. He knows how your life begins, and he knows how your life will end. He knows you that deeply. And he cares about you. It said there because he created us in our inmost being. You know that word there, inmost being, in the Hebrew text is actually translated as your kidney. Did you know that? So that, that verse actually says, you created my kidneys. Do you know that's what it actually says? All throughout history, uh, the Arab nations and other historical places use uh, different organs to be the seat of our emotions. You know, now the seat of our emotions in our culture and our day today is our heart. Right? So I go out on a date with my wife and I tell you, hey Shelly, I love you with all my heart. Did you know one time in history, the seat of emotion was viewed as the liver? How'd you like to go on a date then? Oh baby, you make my liver quiver. That'd be quite the saying, wouldn't it? You know other times in history, you know what the seat of the emotion was? The bowels. Oh baby. Oh, baby, you move me, baby. <laughs> Try those date lines. I'll thank Mark Lowry for that sketch right there. But the reality is this. In this moment, the verse is saying, you created my kidneys. What in the world does that mean? Because the kidneys were understood and viewed as the most secret place, my most inner being, who I am, my feelings, my thoughts, everything about me, the secret, the depths of me that nobody else knows is there. It's my hidden place. And you created even that. God knows everything about you, revealed and unrealed, the depths of your soul. He knows he created you. And then the Bible goes on to say that he knit me in my mother's womb. He knit us together. You know, God's unlimited power is presented in terms of his creative ability. God truly is the master designer. He created everything that is. I mean, just look at the beautiful creativity of our God in this world. If you're like me, it's so easy to go through your normal day-to-day -day activities and overlook the reality and the creativity of the God that designed us. 
I mean, just look at the trees. Just look at the waters. Just look at all the animals, the sun. Go into the universe. See the stars and the planets and the galaxies. God is a beautiful designer, a master creator in his most special and most precise and most unique design is you. You are his most special design. You matter. His most effort was put into you. Isn't that amazing? He knows everything about you. He formed who you are, your personality, the person that you are, your loves, your likes, your talents, your gifts, everything that makes you, he designed. You are uniquely designed by the master creator himself. How valuable you are. Don't ever look, overlook that. Don't ever forget that. Know how God views you. You are his child. You are something that he spent significant time on designing. And you know what else? He designed you to have a purpose. You have a purpose because he designed you. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. You may have heard this verse before. It's a, before. It's a fairly popular verse. It says here, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You know, in this moment that Jeremiah was writing these words, you need to understand the context and what was happening here. Because in this verse, Jeremiah was dealing with the Jewish community that was dispersed and they felt abandoned. They were outside their homeland. They were now in Babylon in a despicable place where they weren't treated well. And in most cases, these people found themselves to be the minority in society. They had little influence over the moral and ethical tone of the culture that they were living in. And they just felt like outcasts. And all they wanted was to go back home. That's all they wanted. And they struggled every single day in the society that they were in. And in this context, in the verses leading up to this, God was just telling them, pray for your city. Pray for where you are. That needs to be your focus. And in this moment, Jeremiah was actually dashing their hopes that things would get better soon. You see, the people in this moment were being led astray into this false confidence that, okay, let's put up with this now, but we're soon going back to our homeland. And Jeremiah was saying, you're not going back anytime soon. He didn't tell them, but it was going to be 70 years. 70 years before they went back to their homeland. He wasn't giving them good news on this day. And in this moment, he said, but know this. God knows the plans he has for you. Plans of a future. Plans that will prosper you. Plans that will be better than you could ever imagine. And you know, I can't help but view ourselves like that. So often Christians today are in the same boat. Like, God, 
what is going on. We're in this, this difficult time of, in our society when people are in, and beliefs and ideas are going opposite of, of what you want and what your heart is. And it's just so hard and we have no more influence in our culture. And Lord, I just want you to come back. Jesus, can you just come back? And, and then we get into these false hope and confidence that, well, tomorrow then, I mean, all the signs are kind of leading up and it's really going to be happening any day now that he's going to come back. And we get this false confidence in our life and it could be tomorrow. We don't know. But I think God's telling us the same thing. Can you just stop living your life in false confidence? Pray for your city. Know the plans I have for you. Plans so great that you could never imagine, but I have a purpose for you. In this moment, now you live for me. You live for me. You pray for your city, and you live for me. See, last week we talked about how we all have a calling as followers of Christ to be his witnesses in this world, to make disciples of all nations. And all of us within that overall calling has a unique purpose within that. We all are children of the Most High God, uniquely created for a purpose in his name. You see, it's all connected. It's all connected. How we view God, understanding how God views us, impacts our attitude transforms our behaviors. It either motivates us towards acts of kindness or it pulls us into the abyss of cruelty and disappointment, destruction in our own heart, in our own life, and in the relationships that surround us. The more we know God, the more we connect with God, the more we love God, the more we follow God, the more your attitudes will be transformed the more your behaviors will be adjusted and the more you will change the world. The more you'll change the world. Kindness will bring benefits into your life, but cruelty will just bring you to destruction. It will. Don't miss this reality. Your attitude and your behaviors are intimately tied to your relationship with Jesus. It all goes together. And the more our attitudes and behaviors are become more like Jesus, the more you'll see the transformation in your heart and the transformation in the relationships and the lives around you. The more we reveal kindness to others, the more you realize that you're a difference maker. You're a Freddie Wigan. And you can change the world. But to change the world, it all starts with changing me. It all starts with each of us saying, I need to adjust me. And sometimes we hold back from the opportunities that God puts into our life because we have our low self-esteem, because we just beat ourselves up, because we're so focused on the problems or the struggles in our life, and we're not focused on Jesus. I like to call this the lens of my life. I mean, if you've ever taken pictures with an actual uh, camera with an automatic lens, or you've taken a picture with your camera, you've probably had this situation where you're trying to take a picture of a, of a person or a something a certain distance away, and then just before you snap the picture, something or someone jumps up in the way of that picture, and before you know it, what you wanted to be focused in on becomes a blur, and your camera goes focused in on whatever is closer. You ever had that happen? Did you know that the same thing happens to us all the time spiritually and emotionally? Because the Bible calls us to keep your focus on Jesus, the perfecter of our faith, who provides us to hope and everything that we have dreamed. But what tends to happen for, excuse me, for all of us is this. 
is we have our focus on Jesus for a certain time, but then what tends to happen is the problems in our life, the struggles in our life, even the good days in our life, tends to take our focus, and before you know it, your lens of your heart and your life get focused on that, and Jesus becomes a blur. And then we wonder why we're having troubles with our attitude. Why we're having troubles with our behaviors. Why things aren't coming together for us. And some of us sometimes just need to adjust our lens off of the stuff in our life and back onto Jesus. Because Jesus promises us in his word that when our focus is on him, he'll help us take care of everything else. So stop worrying about it. Focus on him. How you view Jesus affects how you view the world. So how do you view him? Is your focus on him or is it on something else? Because it will affect your ability to be kind or it will push you towards cruelty. You need to start by being kind to you. That's where it all starts. Here's the real struggle, though. We all have an emotional undercurrent that influences our behaviors towards others. Every one of us. We have this emotional undercurrent that just influences everything in our life. You know, if you've ever gone to the beach, you've heard about undercurrents out there, right? Undercurrents are currents that, go in, uh, that are below the surface that go in the opposite direction of the, current, of the surface current. And what tends to happen is that can become very dangerous situations in the ocean. And the same is true emotionally. There are emotional undercurrents. These are underlying, underlying feelings of, or influence, especially one that's contrary to the prevailing atmosphere that's expressed all around us or from us. I mean, we all struggle with this at some level. And if you don't deal with it before you know it, these undercurrents can become major issues in our life. I mean, it could be from anger to depression. I mean, you name it. And many of us are living with emotional scars in our life. Scars that run deep. Scars that are there because maybe someone in your past hurt you or, or let you down. And these scars in your heart and your life, they still haunt you. They manipulate how you conduct yourself and how you perceive all the social interactions that you, are, that you have in your life and how you respond to other people. And these undercurrents are destroying some of us. And we need to be real with them. We need to be honest with them because you will never be able to fully respond and have the Christ-like behavior and the goodness of kindness coming in me and out of me that you want if inwardly you're self-destructing. And if that's you, you need to find the ability and find someone to help you overcome those emotional scars. You need healing from that. Because these um, undercurrent of our emotional self they often go unnoticed. And they often go unnoticed sometimes by even people that we hang out with. That's until something tips us off. Something triggers us to making bad choices or hurting other people. And they all come out in different ways. So what are those trigger points in your life? You know, generally speaking, the problem is not external for us. The problem is internal. Within the depths of our soul, our ability to, to view ourselves the way that God sees us. And allow that to transform our attitudes and how we treat other people. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a guy by the name of King Saul. Maybe you read about him before. He had similar struggles just like this. King Saul was the first king of Israel. And what happened was, when he started his journey, he loved God. He wanted to follow God. He wanted to please God. But then he got too full of himself. 
And so he began to run after what he desired rather than the heart of God. And he was just leading the nation to a bad place. And so finally God raised up a man that was after his own heart named David. Now King Saul knew David was coming up in line. He did not like it. He had a lot of um, concerns with it. He, he felt uh, he felt a lot of issues with it, and this emotional undercurrent began to happen in Saul as you read that story. And the rest of his life was spent trying to destroy David. And before you know it, because he did not deal with the emotional undercurrent in his life, he brought himself to destruction. And so often, many of us are running down that same path. If we don't deal with the emotional issues that we have in our heart, It will bring you to destruction. It will consume you. It will control you. And at some point, you need to deal with it. If you're dealing with an emotional emotional undercurrent and it's not dealt with properly, you need to deal with it because it will bring you down. You know, just like the opening verse in Proverbs 11, rather than experiencing the benefits of kindness, we'll go down the path of unfortunate, cruel circumstances that just has the tendency to, to mess up our life and the relationships in our life, and we need to deal with it well. You know, several years ago, my family really got into this book that became a bestseller, and maybe you read it. It's called Wonder, and I loved that book. And a couple years afterwards, they made a movie about it. Maybe you see all the movie, the book's better, but uh, maybe you saw one of those. And this this story is incredibly inspiring and heartwarming about this young boy named August, or Augie Pullman. And he had facial deformities. Who he, and he entered the fifth grade of this mainstream elementary school. And it was all about his first experience, his first time going to school. Having these friends, communicating how he was treated, how he responded. And one of the best quotes of the whole story is this. When given the choice between being right and being kind, choose kind. And you know, my friends... I think as a society, we're really struggling with this concept. As a society, I think our struggle is we really want to be right. And by our desires to be right, we're expressing a lot of cruelty to everybody around us. What if we chose kind? How could we change the world if we chose kindness rather than the desire to be right? How could we change the world? And the other great, great quote from that movie, I just love this quote too. It's not enough to be friendly. You have to be a friend. And I think, again, that, that really hit me because it's so easy just to be friendly to people, meaning I just go on my way, I say hi, I'm nice to them. But am I really investing in their life? Am I really being a friend to them? What about you? What if we chose kind? Because know this. Being kind is a game changer. It's a game changer. It will transform the world. It will tear down walls. It will create opportunities that we never knew existed before. This is not about being perfect But the normalcy of me, the normalcy of you, do we choose kind? When people see me coming down the the road or the hallway, do they anticipate a reception of kindness 
or do they cringe feeling what this encounter might bring into their life? Have you ever thought about that? How people view you when they see you walking down the way? I mean, we should think about it. When they see me, are they like, hey, I'm going to be treated well? Or, uh uh-oh, Bill's coming now. Run the other way. How do they view you? Because it matters. What attitude do you clothe yourselves? What attitude and behaviors do you project upon other people? The Apostle Paul wrote this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know, compassion is our concern for others. Kindness is the quality of being generous and considerate towards others. Humility is putting what's best for others ahead of our needs and our wants. Gentleness is sensitivity towards others that is founded on strength and prompted by love. Patience is a quality of self-restraint, not being provoked to anger. Paul is saying here, these qualities that he just listed should be the clothes of who you are. When people see me, ultimately they should see these qualities coming out of me. You know, our personality is so often revealed by our fashion sense. You know, we reveal who we are by our fashions. The craziest, craziest fad that I ever got into, this is kind of scary. When I was back in the late 80s, early 90s, there were these pants called skids. They were like MC Hammer pants. Yeah, I used to wear those and used to peg them, right, and roll them up. And I was really weird because I was so, I, I didn't want to be made fun of because of the fad. And I, my pegs could never stay tight. So before I left for school, I had my mom put a pin in the, in the pegs so they wouldn't come out. Yeah, I'm a weird person. You know, back in the 80s, it was all about big hair and big bangs. And in the 70s, guys, I really don't know what was up with you guys in the 70s. I'm just being honest. But on a serious note, our fashion sense exhibits our personality. It reveals who we are. And the Bible shares with us that our behaviors are the clothes of who we are, are the spiritual clothes of your personality, your spiritual self, your emotional self. So think about it. What does your behavioral clothes reveal about you? What do they reveal about you? Think about how you want to be treated. And are you treating people the same way that you want to be treated? That's called the golden rule. Jesus said it in Matthew 7, verse 12. So in everything that you do to others, what, I'm sorry, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. See, God's so happy he just gave us light. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> so in everything, do to others what God, what you would have them do to you. How are you treating the people in your life? How are you treating the people you come into contact with? Are you choosing kind? Because you can change the world. You can be a difference maker. But it all starts with how you view you. It starts by transforming your life. So do me a favor. Like I said earlier, it takes 30 days to create a habit in our life. And every one of us, every one of us, myself included, has a bad behavior that we all tend to drift towards. What is that bad behavior in your life? I'm sure you know it. So over the next 30 days, make a real effort every single day to try to change that behavioral habit in your life. 
Focus more on your relationship with Jesus. Make more of an effort to hang out with him on a daily basis. Let him speak to you as you speak to him through his word and through prayer. And make an effort when you're interacting with other people. When you see the triggers begin to happen, pull yourself away. Change that behavior. And watch what God begins to do through you over the next 30 days. Watch at the person you transform to become. Watch how God transforms your heart and how he begins to make a difference in all of your interactions. God wants to change the world through you. And it starts with changing each of us individually. So will you choose kind? Will you tear down the walls? Will you make a difference? Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you because you are truly an amazing God. Lord, help us to choose kind. Help us to choose your path. Help us to follow your direction, Lord God. May we be more like you. Lord God, forgive us for when we fall short. Forgive us for when we allow the bad habits of our behaviors to consume us and to control us. But Lord God, may we transform our behaviors and our attitudes to be more like you. And may we change the world. Thank you for your son Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.